Hello and a big warm welcome to you. My name is Marion Rose, PhD, and this is the Aware Parenting Podcast. I'm so delighted to be starting this series on sleep in the context of Aware Parenting. And the reason for that decision is I'm going to be recreating my Sound Sleep and Secure Attachment with Aware Parenting course. That is a very long title, isn't it? So there's a bit of a story with that course that at the moment the tech keeps on breaking and it keeps on getting fixed and it keeps on breaking again. And you know me and well, if you know me, you know that I really love listening to the messages from life. It's not aware parenting, it's from my Marian Method work. And I started to see this as an invitation to actually completely start all over again and make a new course. And I also had... Uh, an idea at the same time to write a book. So I thought whilst I'm focusing on that topic, I thought I would come and record this podcast for you and then I'm going to be doing uh, a Q&A and then I'm going to be having a variety of aware parenting instructors coming on and talking too. And just like the last episode, the minute I start talking, the birds come in to sing. So there are the birdies singing to you, the wild welcome swallows. And where parenting is so much about the voice, isn't it? So much about the beauty of expressing, expressing, expressing our feelings as babies, as children, as teens, as adults, expressing our needs, playing, having fun. So I wonder if... I acknowledge that the, the birdies might, um, might have a little bit of quiet time so, so that you can hear me. So, sound, sleep and secure attachment. This is one of my favourite topics in aware parenting. Well, I have a many favourite topics. And it is one of the topics that does bring many people to aware parenting. Sometimes I like to look at aware parenting as the third way with sleep. And I think that's often why people come because... Often people think there's only two ways. I wonder if you used to see sleep in this way. There's often the perspective that there's a choice. And the choice is between having secure attachment. So that might be co-sleeping and it might be waking up lots and lots of times for the first several years. And that's just seen as just how it is. And you're just going to need to put up with a lot of night waking and waking up very early. And there's really this perception within this belief system of toddlers if you're co-sleeping with a toddler they're going to be all over the bed you're going to get be woken up all night long and that's just how it is on the other side is that perspective that if you want to help your baby or child sleep you need to do something to make them sleep often away from us so that might be in a cot it might include a dummy or pacifier it might include blanket or soft toy that the child is holding on to. It might include some form of controlled crying or cry it out. And often it's really seen as that's the only two choices. And so, of course, those two choices, they're not really ideal, are they? That seeming, that seeming choice between having a secure attachment, having connection, responding to your baby or child but not having sleep, and of course sleeping such a core need. Or on the other hand, having sleep, but at the cost sometimes of connection with your baby or child. 
So I'm sending you so much love. If you've believed that there are only these two choices, of course, it's inevitable that we're going to find this painful and hard because the choice between sleep or connection, I mean, that's not enjoyable at all, is it? That's two of our most basic needs and needing to choose between them is inevitably going to be painful. So, how would you feel, and you may already be familiar with this already, but how do you feel when you hear me say, in Aware Parenting, there is this third way that we do not need to choose between one or the other. That actually, there is a way to have both sound sleep and secure attachment. And that there are really tangible things that you can do to support that to happen. The other thing I would like to add, and again, if you know me well, you know that this is one of the things I am most passionate about. And that is deep self-compassion and dropping what I call the guilt and shame sticks. So if in the past you have done things that you perhaps wish you hadn't done now and perhaps that might have been controlled crying or perhaps you have um, just had lots and lots of lots of broken sleep and you've just been exhausted and frustrated and maybe responded to your child in ways that you wish you hadn't. My invitation would be to, if you possibly can, to put those sticks down. We are always doing the most that we possibly can as parents and we're always learning. And as you also know that I talk about a lot, we live in the disconnected domination culture, which means it's really normal and natural for these things to be really hard and for sleep to be hard. We live in a culture where we are taught these things, that there's a choice between sleep and connection. So whatever you've done in the past, I am sending you absolute unconditional love. And what I love about aware parenting is whatever happened in terms of attachment with your baby or child, there are ways to support more connection happening again. And whatever you did in the past, there's always ways for healing to happen. And in fact, babies, children, teens are constantly striving for healing they will be constantly attempting to heal from any stress or trauma so that's a really really important thing to hold in mind and I'll be inviting you to hold these two things in mind all the way through as you're hearing me speak the dropping of the guilt and shame and self-judgment sticks wherever possible being compassionate with yourself and the remembering that we live in the DDC the disconnected domination culture and it's really normal and natural to find these things hard. We don't have the support that's required to to parent in ways that are really helpful for not only for babies and children, but for the whole community. So the third way, what is this third way, you may ask? How is it possible that babies and children can be securely attached and have sound sleep. How does that even work? How is that possible? So I'm going to be offering you a way, an approach from the aware parenting perspective that is very, very different from many other paradigms. Because we hold in aware parenting such a different 
understanding of human beings and particularly that shows up in terms of babies and children and why they do what they do and what is the source of their behavior that it means there are a lot of different perceptions of what's going on and I'll be talking about some of those differences later on in the podcast like why in aware parenting we don't see that there are things such as sleep windows or sleep regressions and being overtired and we don't see babies and children as fighting sleep funnily enough you can probably hear a little bit of snoring right now now there's buddha the, the french bulldog puppy he's come up right close and he's just lying down and settling down to sleep so if you can hear some snoring that's part of the, the backdrop of this process so some years ago i made a map and it's based on aware parenting but it's a way to briefly and clearly and concisely remember about all of this stuff and the three things that are generally required for sound sleep and those three things are to feel tired to feel connected and to feel truly relaxed and as I go through each of these I imagine you'll start seeing how it really is possible to have connection and sleep for your baby, for your child, for you. So let's go through those three things. So the first thing first thing is being tired, or you could say being sleepy, because sometimes, of course, and I was having a conversation with Aletha Salter, the founder of Aware Parenting, the other day, and uh, she was actually this was actually in response to the aware parenting babies book that i've written and she was suggesting rather than saying tired that i say sleepy because of course we can be tired after going for a run for example and that is very very different to when we're actually tired and we need to go to sleep so whenever I say tired I I prefer that word to, to describe it what I'm meaning basically is this the, the signals that we experience in our bodies when we actually need to sleep so let's talk more about that so these are the things that you will be really familiar with at seeing in your baby or your child or your tween or your teen they were very at different ages but they often include things like uh, rubbing eyes, yawning, just maybe speech changing a little bit, getting a bit more cuddly, lying down, <laughs> like all the obvious things. However, there is one difference here in terms of how aware parenting sees tiredness compared to many other parenting paradigms. So when babies and children and actual humans but i'm going to i'm just going to say children because otherwise i'm going to be saying every time babies and children and tweens and teens and adults and that's going to take us forever so when children get tired <laughs> they will often and i wonder if you've noticed this they might get really silly and goofy they might get really playful they might start having big cries over really small things they might uh, babies there's often that term, isn't there? The witching hour. Uh, it might be just all of these kinds of different behaviours related to feelings. And if in another paradigm, for example, we're looking at all those behaviours and we say, oh, okay, these are all signals of tiredness. 
which there are clues for tiredness, yes. But if in that paradigm we see it that way and then we go, right, quickly, I need to do whatever I can to help them go to sleep as quickly as possible, we're probably going to do all kinds of things like maybe jiggling or rocking or just like basically being really desperate to get them to go to sleep quickly. However, we see things differently from aware parenting and aware parenting perspective. We see that those behaviors are actually part of a natural process, a natural healing relaxation and recovery process that we are all born with it's innate it is physiological and that is when we're tired to release stress from the body so that's things that we've experienced in stressful or even traumatic events that could be from the day just little things that could have happened over the day that a child has experienced can also be accumulated feelings from the previous days, weeks, months, and even years. These unexpressed feelings sit in the body. They're real physiological things. And because our bodies are so wise, they will try to express and release those, to release those from the body so that we can actually move into a deeply relaxed state so that we can sleep soundly, so we can have the most restorative sleep. Makes so much sense, doesn't it? We're tired, okay, the body's getting these signals, okay, tiredness is happening here. Okay, right, let's turn on the next system, the natural relaxation system process. It's almost like if you ever saw, what was that movie with all the, the feelings in the, in the consciousness? <laughs> We see it almost a little bit like that of like, okay, let's turn on. Okay, do we need, what do we need to do? I think we need to do a bit of crying, a bit of crying here, a bit of play, a bit of raging, a tantrum, hang on. Yep, we need one of those. Yeah, we'll put in one of those. These are all natural, normal ways that our beautiful and amazing bodies have to release accumulated feelings from the body. So again, we could see that from a feeling perspective. Those might be feelings of sadness or overwhelm that might come out in lots of big crying. They might be feelings of powerlessness or rage or frustration that might come out in raging. They might be feelings of fear that might come out in through laughter and through play. This is an amazing process. This is how we're designed to work. These are designed to to be expressed. So that's the feeling side. And then if you think of it from a nervous system perspective, we can think about uh, being in the fight, flight, freeze response. And... If we are wanting to move out of that, we have these natural recovery processes, again, which will come to light. So as we feel tired, we're less able to repress these feelings. As a child feels tired, they're less able to repress the feelings sitting in their bodies. Up will come these processes, up will come these feelings to actually recover from that fight-flight if you think about it, if a child's raging and they're moving their arms and legs vigorously, 
that vigorous movement is part of the release process. They are they moved into fight or flight, which means mobilizing energy in their arms to fight, in their legs to, to flee. And that that vigorous movement that happens along with, with crying or with raging, the tantrum, is actually releasing the tension that was built up that wasn't actually required. This is an amazing and beautiful process and system. It's how we're designed to work. It's just how things work. It's how our bodies work. It's this beautiful system. However, because we don't understand this in our culture, what will happen so often is that we fight against that. So we as the parents, as the adults, will fight against that natural process. And I'm going to talk about more about this in the part three, about being truly relaxed. But I really wanted to mention it here in this number one, the tired need because this is often perceived differently. So if you, you see, if, if you're perceiving that perhaps tiredness is painful and your child is starting to cry or starting to be silly and goofy, you'll probably do, be doing whatever you can to repress those feelings, to try to make them calm down. Of course, because if you think that that's uncomfortable and painful and you have, you, it's your job as the parent to make them feel calmer by doing things to them to distract them from those feelings, of course that seems to be the most helpful thing to do, doesn't it? But if we see that what tiredness brings is this innate process to express feelings and release tension so that children can sleep peacefully and restfully and restoratively so that actually they're getting the full benefit of that sleeping time everything changes doesn't it and that's what we're going to talk about in in the section three about what that means in terms of how we respond and what that means in terms of things like the the idea of being overtired or the idea of fighting sleep so that's number one Babies and children need to feel tired. That can also be really helpful as well if you think about it, that if a baby or child is not tired, you might be doing everything possible you can to help them go to sleep, but if they're not actually tired, it's going to be really hard. And I grew up in England, you probably can tell from my accent, and back in the day, I I was a child in the 70s. I was often... Not so much in my family, but I remember there was things like bedtime is at whatever time, 7.30, whatever it was. And uh, in the summertime, because of where it is in the world, the summertime, it would often not get dark till 10 o'clock. And children would often not get tired at, at the early time that they were put to bed. And, you know, all the kinds of things that a child would need to do to try to go to sleep if they're actually not tired. And I wonder if you've ever done that. Maybe you've been, I don't know, getting up early the next morning to go to get on a plane or to go on a trip somewhere and just going to bed before you're actually tired. It can be quite tricky, can't it? Because again, our bodies are so wise. We're designed to work in harmony with our bodies. And basically tiredness is important for sleep. So that's number one. (laughs) 
Let's look at number two. Number two is to feel connected. So again, I like to go back to uh, innate, the innate wisdom of our bodies and why it would make so much sense that connection is vital in order for a baby or a child in particular to go to sleep. And that is, if you think about us as hunter-gatherers, for a baby or child to sleep, they need to know that they're safe. Safety is a requirement in, in their nervous system because if there's trouble coming, saber-toothed tiger, I don't know, whatever is around, they, you know, especially a baby, can't, they can't fight or flee. Their only option is to freeze. Uh, toddler maybe can crawl, can't crawl very fast. Children still, you know, they still, uh, of course, as children get older and they are more capable of fighting or fleeing, they are more capable of understanding that their parents are in the next room. They are more capable of understanding the level of safety in the house, for example, that will change over time, which is over time why children will need less closeness. The other reason is also because they internalize that sense of closeness. So that's another foundation of attachment style parenting is that when a baby and then a child consistently experiences closeness, and particularly when they're tired or when they're going to sleep, they do internalize that and that actually becomes part of their sense of being, that they have uh, an, an internal presence because they've had that externally. So again, this natural physiological thing that if a baby or child feels connected, they when they're going to sleep, it signals to the body like, I'm safe, I can let go here, I don't need to be looking around seeing things are safe because I know if something goes on, there are people around to keep me safe. And you may ask, well, what happens if a baby or a child is going to sleep and they're not having connection? So as I say, with when children get older, they do gradually over time, they are able to go to sleep without having someone with them because they've internalized the connection, because they know that there's connection close. But what about a baby or a very young, like a toddler, who is going to sleep without closeness, for, for whatever reason that is. So from an aware parenting perspective, what we might often observe is that they possibly aren't feeling that sense of emotional safety. They might be feeling scared or overwhelmed, all kinds of other feelings. And... They might be doing things to repress those feelings or to dissociate. So you might notice that a baby is sucking their thumb or they ha might have a pacifier or they might have many pacifiers or they might be clutching onto a blanket or a soft toy or they might be in a really particular position and they always need to be in that particular position if they're in a cot or they, and that might be a particular position in their body. Or you might even notice that they're they're doing some repetitive motion or they're tensing up their muscles in a particular way. Now, again, we're so wise and, you know, as you've heard probably many times in this podcast, if you have listened to other episodes, not only are we inbuilt with the capacity to heal from stress and trauma, we have also these amazing inbuilt processes to repress feelings or to dissociate when it's, there isn't the emotional safety or the presence in the moment to express those feelings.
So again, I invite you to drop any sticks if you if your baby or child does these things. It's very normal and natural. And that's why you see often when babies and children get tired, that's when you'll see their what's called control patterns in aware parenting showing up. If your little one sucks their thumb when they're tired, that tells you they've got feelings bubbling. And it's really normal and natural for all babies and all young children to have feelings bubbling pretty much every night because they go through a lot, they experience a lot. That's maybe when they want their dummy or pacifier. They may want to clutch onto a teddy. Uh, or if they have control patterns that are more associated with your body, they might want to be twiddling your hair or, or playing with your hair. Or they might wanting to be wanting to have um, lots of food or they might wanting to be fed. All of these ways, uh, if, if you're baby or child always asks for a certain thing when they're tired they are likely to be telling you that those are feelings bubbling up at that time and again I want to say that is so normal and natural because again if we go back to what I was saying earlier that is how our bodies are designed to work they, they want to release that tension so there's more restful and sound sleep makes so much sense doesn't it so that second point is connection so what are we invited to do as parents is offer connection. And so with a baby, I would recommend that's always they're either being held in your loving arms or you're lying next to them. And over time, again, depending on your needs, make children will gradually be able to go to sleep on their own. However, what often happens in parenting is that you might say, yes, but I do really watch for their tired signs. And they go to sleep lying next to me. But they take an hour or two hours, or they, I'm lying next to them and they're fidgeting around, or they're asking for one thing after another, or they just want me to read them another book, and they're just antsy and agitated, or they keep getting out of bed over and over again, and they just won't sit still, or they're fighting sleep, this fighting sleep thing. So what it tells us is, if they're tired and they're feeling connected, but they're not sleeping, it tells us that's the third part. That's really important. It's one of the core parts that is generally missed. And generally, there's a different understanding in many other parenting paradigms that doesn't really get this piece. So I also want to say, in terms of connection, before we move on to that third point, is this is why attachment play is also so helpful. So it's very normal and natural, and we'll talk more about this, for children to get really playful before bed. And not only does that serve the function of the, the relaxation process, but it also is really helpful in terms of connection. Play, when we join in with our children playing, it helps them feel really connected. So... If you are wanting to support your child to move towards going to sleep without you, helping them feel more connected throughout the day, but particularly before bed, so that they actually um, have that sense of connection, you know, that warm, yummy feeling in their bodies, that is going to support them in, in having that need met. So let's move to the third point, and that is feeling truly relaxed. And again, this is where aware parenting differs from many other parenting paradigms. Because in many other parenting paradigms, it's seen as our job or our role as parents 
to be doing whatever we can to make our babies or children feel relaxed. And to the end, we might be jiggling and rocking, we might be singing and bouncing, we might be shushing and reading books and doing all kinds of things. And what I want to say is, I'm not saying, you know me, I wouldn't be ever telling you to do anything or not to do anything because I'm really inviting you to listen to yourself and what resonates for you and try these things out if they resonate with you. However, uh, if you are, again, if your child's tired and connected, and perhaps you might be doing these things to them, you might be providing a dim room and you might be doing all these really beautiful things you might be making a beautiful calm environment you might be giving them a, a bath you might be even giving them a massage but if they are still agitated and antsy it really indicates this third thing that they don't feel truly relaxed and that's the thing before I say that, I do want to say that, of course, our state makes a huge difference here. So if we're feeling relaxed, that, of course, is going to translate to them. They are going to be influenced by that. However, our true relaxation, if, if they don't have feelings to express to us, our true relaxation is going to support them to move into sleep. But if they do have feelings to express to us, our true relaxation, without doing lots of stuff to them, is actually going to support them to move into this natural physiological recovery um, relaxation process. And what I was going to say, and I will say it now, is I often liken this to the, the Taoist beautiful yin-yang map diagram uh, it's a it's a moving not a static model I know so if you think about that lovely yin yang map what often happens is if we are reading like I was saying in that point one if we're reading our child being really antsy and agitated or crying as like oh my gosh I need to do something to help them calm down or they're agitated and antsy and I need to do something to calm them down what we do is we're not going with that natural physiological process and what then often happens is then then they wake up again we try and make them to go into the calm and then they go into the the loud or the you know the big whereas what we're doing with aware parenting is really trusting that our babies and children know how to feel truly relaxed not superficially relaxed often the things that we do to them not not the providing a peaceful environment but you know if we're doing things to make them feel relaxed that is a very different state I mean, it might be mildly relaxed but it may also be even be a little bit dissociated you know if we're doing all those things we're really distracting them from their feelings and so the quality of relaxation is very different from the true relaxation that comes from actually going with that natural process, which is where I see that yin and the yang, when we go with the bigness, the loudness, whether that's with play, joining in with them with big rambunctious attachment play or power reversal games or being really silly and goofy nonsense play 
or they're moving in to have a big cry and we listen to them and we just stay and we really support the big expression of the big crying or the big raging or they're showing us by maybe asking for a million things and just not being happy about anything and and we offer them a loving limit and have also a really big cry that bigness by following that energy by listening to that by going with the bigness what happens then is they express the feelings they release that tension from the fight flight response they express the sadness or the grief or the overwhelm or the frustration from their bodies with along with the vigorous movement they feel a much deeper sense of relaxation in their bodies so that they can then move into truly restful and restorative sleep and what a different experience this is so for those of you who are already familiar with aware parenting and have you experienced this particularly if you support you know, it's not even really supporting it's just it's us cooperating with them rather than trying to do things to them to make them feel calm if we cooperate with these natural processes and particularly all the way through to the end so that they have done all the laughing all the crying for that particular chunk of feelings that are sitting at the surface they move into a sleep it's very very different from the kind of thing that we were talking about right at the beginning they're generally and you can see it in their muscles and how they're lying they're the babies will go back to sleeping with their arms over their heads. Their hands will not be in fists, they'll be open. They'll be, can feel the quality of relaxation whilst they're sleeping. If you cuddle up with them, you'll, you'll just feel that beautiful and relaxed feeling in their bodies. It's not, they're not tense, but they're also not dissociated. This is, this is a very different quality in the body that's very different between dissociation and true relaxation so you'll observe all these things that are that are really really different and through really trusting this process we see all these lovely things it's it's what i love about aware parenting is that you can clearly observe this and what you'll generally observe then is they will sleep until they've had enough sleep and they will generally wake up and be still calm and relaxed so there isn't a lot of moving around in the bed there isn't like needing to for you to be in a particular position next to them there isn't the needing to tiptoe and be quiet really really quiet all of those things you know if they're a baby you can move them from one place to the next i know there are all kinds of phrases about this nowadays but you can just move them and they'll generally stay asleep because they feel truly and deeply relaxed now, what about if you say, but I am listening to their feelings uh, or I listened to some feelings, but then they woke up again and they started crying again or those kinds of things. And what I want to remind you is in aware parenting that whatever percentage of feelings we are listening to, the percentage that we're not listening to, they will need to do things with those feelings. They will need to suppress them. And particularly if we stop short a process of healing it would be like us you know if you're in a really big process and you're sharing and you're crying and then someone says yeah okay stop now 
like you're halfway through that process so you'll probably find if you go to sleep you're going to be waking up and, or you'll be dreaming about it or you'll just be wanting to keep talking about that thing there's a these are natural inbuilt processes and they have their own timing so if you perhaps are and totally understandably I mean this is hard stuff you know if you just you've been listening to a child crying for 20 minutes and you're exhausted and you've had enough and just trying to distract them off to, to sleep. But actually you really know that they didn't finish because they didn't come to that end point of that, you know, that like the yin and the yang. They didn't come out the other side into that state of relaxation. Or they were playing and playing, but you stopped it short and they didn't get to have a cry and they didn't get to finish that expression. So I want to say with play you can you can always offer a loving limit and they can express feelings through crying and raging so this does not mean needing to play for three hours before bed exactly the opposite actually so you know often if parents are saying no my child is taking two hours to go to sleep it tells us that there's some there's some gentle and nuanced tweaking of what's happening to to actually support this process so that's what I want to say. If you are doing a touch and play or you are listening to feelings before bed and your child is still waking up clearly from feelings, my invitation is to see you are doing so much, it is making a difference and there are more there are more feelings there. And the way I see it, sleep tends to be the the place where feelings show up the most because of course our bodies are wanting to feel deeply relaxed to, to, for restorative sleep. So anything that is not being attended to in the day will often show up around sleep. And I think it's often the same for us as adults. I imagine you've experienced that too, that you've got something going on and perhaps you're able to distract yourself all day and even at, at night, but then you, perhaps it's hard to go to sleep because those feelings start bubbling up and you might then distract yourself through reading or scrolling or watching or doing all the things that we can do nowadays. But then you still find it hard to go to sleep or you wake up in the middle of the night and are not able to go back to sleep for hours or you wake up really early in the morning and you know babies and children are just like us so if you are already listening to feelings you're already doing attachment play my invitation would be always you know it's always my first thing to suggest is attend to you first do you need to express some more of your feelings do you need to support yourself to get to have more support to have more of your needs met to get to even just have a five minute mm, little some kind of break before the whole evening um, whatever you do in the evening happens it's hard I want to remind you we live in the DDC and it's so normal and natural to find it hard and the first step is always us and then once once we're feeling a bit more, our cup is a bit more full in terms of our needs met, our feelings cup is a bit more empty in terms of having fewer accumulated feelings. Perhaps we're just feeling more relaxed in our body because we've, you know, we've done some exercise that day and we've tended to our body's needs and we're we're thinking calming thoughts, not in a way that we're suppressing our feelings, but you know we're just working on all the levels on our physiological and our emotional and on our mental levels which I talk about a lot is my map of three needs feelings and thoughts 
the more we do that, the more we are going to be able to cooperate with these natural processes and the more a baby or child is going to be able to sleep. And, of course, this can be really hard. It can be really hard for us to tend to those three things enough to support our children in these ways. So, I did talk a little bit about the difference between true relaxation and dissociation, and I think that's a pivotal one that's often not understood. And the more you understand that, the more you'll be able to see that, oh, my child actually... You know, they may be more agitated and antsy, they're more in hyperarousal, or they might be more in kind of dissociation or repression, or they might be feeling truly relaxed. And of course, now we're parenting, we're, we're wanting to really cooperate with them so that more of the time they feel truly relaxed because that's when they're going to be able to go to sleep when they're tired, sleep for as long as they need, and wake up when they're actually refreshed and restored. So a bit of the French bulldog just had a long drink then, so I was thinking, mm, what might he be telling me? So, I mean, this topic is really long and nuanced, which is why I am making a new course and why I am writing a book, because there are lots and lots of nuances and different things in all of this. And the ideal thing is that, that the more of these three things we've attended to, the more likely it is that if a baby or child wakes up, then they wake up because they are truly thirsty. Or they may wake up because they don't have enough connection. But the most common reason why they wake up is because they have accumulated feelings. And this is why so often we might see, and I've worked with many people over the years who, you know, they maybe have a two-year-old or a three-year-old or a toddler who's waking up maybe every 45 minutes, every sleep cycle. And from a parenting perspective, we'd see if a child's waking up more and more frequently as they get older, it's generally because they have more and more accumulated feelings. And when they go into that light state of sleep their bodies again so wise trying to let out the feelings so that they can actually feel more relaxed and there are many different things that you can do about that and we will be talking more about those practical things so next after this episode I'm uh, there's going to be a Q&A so you'll be hearing some some practical suggestions in various scenarios and then there's going to be a number of different episodes with aware parenting instructors sharing their experiences and us talking together so you will hear more about those kinds of things so this is more the kind of understanding the theory part and some of the practices and the nuances we will dip into some of those in the next few episodes I wonder if you listened to the episode where uh, Lael and I were talking to Aletha about the myths of uh, in relation to children and from an aware parenting perspective that idea that you know when you have young children you never get sleep it's very very common you just don't get sleep for years and they're going to wake up at five or six again from an aware parenting perspective that isn't the case and I'd love to share my experience here which is for me you if you've heard my story I came into aware parenting and I'm so grateful with a lot of background a lot of inner work a lot of understanding of developmental psychology and I've had 10 years of therapy, weekly therapy. So 
you know, I'd had a lot of feelings heard and, and my being heard cup was pretty full and my focus on what babies and children experience was really high because that's what I'd been looking at. So I was really just basically focusing on once I really got, well, I didn't really get it, but once I, I got the feelings part of aware parenting enough in those early months with my daughter, I really, really focused on that. I really focused on the attachment style parenting, responding promptly, meeting the needs as much as I could or meeting her needs. And I aimed to listen to as many feelings as I could. And what I decided really early on, and this was because I had I'd come to this myself, I'd realised that if I counted the amount of sleep I had, that then if I was awake in the middle of the night and I was like, oh my God, I just, you know, only slept for five hours, that I would feel really tired. So I'd kind of come to a position myself in terms of not doing those things. And this kind of carried on, you know, where parenting, I didn't focus on on sleep. I focused on listening to as many feelings as I could. And what I found as a result that sleep was a pretty easy thing in our house. And really from quite a young age as babies, that they slept really peacefully going to sleep. Yeah, so they would go to sleep pretty easily. They would generally express feelings before going to bed. And I would say... You know, with my daughter, because many times, well, I li- we listened to feelings every every night from when she was three months old. But there were many times I was still repressing her feelings. So I would say it took until she's about three to really not, I wouldn't say catch up, but there were a lot of feelings in those later years I'm, I'm thinking were from earlier on. She would often express feelings until she was about three and with my son until he was about two and then still it was very common um, for some for feelings to come out at the end of the day and just sleep wasn't was no issue it was easy and it's often a bit of a joke <laughs> in our house particularly we're, you know we were homeschoolers and if there was a, an early event to get up to we would often be late because they would sleep till I don't even really remember and it would vary from from day to day there was never this sense of like waking up at the same time it would depend on when they went to bed and how many hours of sleep they would have but often you know 8 30 8 9 <laughs> it was really just so enjoyable so my heart goes out to you if you have a lot of early mornings or a lot of wake-ups I know it just can make a huge difference to how we feel as parents I think that's part of the thing I see so often parents are desperate for sleep and so understandably it's such a core need for us of course we can then if we're tired we're same when we're tired we're less able to repress our feelings for the same reasons that's often when we end up having big feelings bubbling out of us and reacting in ways we don't want to to our children again normal natural thing our bodies are doing what they're designed to do but often in ways that because we don't often have enough support enough places to express those feelings to loving present adults that things don't go so well so just i'm just so incredibly grateful for aware parenting because it really just sleep was a completely different experience for us compared to many many parents and why i'm so passionate about sharing more about this and and why i'm writing the book and creating the new courses, I, 
I just know how desperate so many parents get and so how many parents do turn to controlled crying or cry out because they're just so desperate and do not know what to do. And I love that Aware Parenting does offer this third way. And yes, it's hard at times to listen to feelings. And yes, for, for, for many families who are stressed, it might be only listening to a percentage of feelings, but still just understanding what's going on. And really, I said this to a parent and I'll say it in the Q&A, that our children want to sleep generally. And of course, there's something really exciting going on, of course. But generally, they want to sleep as much as we want them to. So they're not fighting sleep. Generally, when we say a baby or child is fighting sleep, generally, unless, of course, there's something really interesting going on that they really want to be involved in, Generally what's happening is we are actually fighting their natural relaxation processes. They might be trying to laugh and play. They might be trying to cry and rage with vigorous movement. And we are often often trying to distract them from that, trying to make them feel relaxed in ways that bypass that beautiful, natural, inbuilt process and which actually result in them not being able to sleep. And isn't that so... I I feel sad when I think of that. It's because of what we've learned in this culture to not trust babies and children, to not trust any of our feelings, and to not trust our bodies, to not trust the innate body wisdom that we all are born with, and that end up with so much suffering, so much challenge, because it's really hard if we are tired. It's really hard if nobody's getting enough sleep. So that's why we don't have the idea of fighting sleep. It's a very different perception. And I will just quickly go through some of the other different perceptions. So again, overtired. Uh, we don't really use that term in aware parenting because basically, as I was saying before, if a baby or child is tired and they're not going to sleep, it's not because they're overtired. It, it usually means because they're not also having that beautiful trilogy. That's not quite the right accurate word is it but they don't have enough of the connection and true relaxation to be able to go to sleep so they're not overtired they just are not connected enough or not relaxed enough or both we also don't have the idea of sleep windows or sleep regressions so sleep regression is often seen more as when babies are taking longer to go to sleep or waking up more and particularly if it's a time that's common with other babies this is often at the time of of developmental leaps for example and when babies are going through a developmental leap it's really normal and natural for them to feel more frustrated because they're trying to do something new to have more feelings to express and if they're not getting to express those feelings to then find it harder to go to sleep and to wake up more and to wake up earlier so again there there aren't these generalized um, perceptions and as always in aware parenting we're looking at each baby or child as a unique individual so although we may have these generalized maps and models that i'm offering to you today we're looking at each individual child as a unique human being and that includes like i didn't i haven't even included here that when we're looking at that physical level as well of course we're also looking at things for them to feel truly relaxed they also need to feel relaxed in their body and if they're 
have some kind of food intolerance if they're wearing perhaps uh, polyester or their sheets are polyester or if their bedding has been washed in uh, washing powder that's got a really strong scent or there's wi-fi close to them or there are bright lights i mean obviously all of those things can mean it's harder for them to relax too and of course they might be sick you know so of course we're always looking at the all of those other factors too which i, I always just take it for granted often forget to mention those things but of course please always look into all of those things. It is really helpful to make sure that all that, all those external things and internal things in terms of diet and so on are taken into account um, before just assuming, oh, they've got feelings. So please, please, please always do that too. So I have paused and edited this podcast so many times because of... Dogs barking, people arriving at the door, various things happening. And what I am also loving is that reminder to do whatever I can to, yes, welcome my feelings if I feel frustrated, but also to see what I can do to help myself stay calm without suppressing, repressing my feelings. And it's always such a juggle and a dance, that, isn't it? So if we can, ah, there's now some banging outside the door as well (laughs) anyway there you go sometimes life's a bit like that isn't it and sometimes that might be a little bit what it's like a bedtime at your house so if this this sounds a little bit like like um evening your house and there's lots going on i do want to remind you of course having a calm environment us supporting ourselves to feel calm and relaxed all of these things are going to help in the context of true relaxation a relaxing environment is actually an absolutely really supportive and crying laughter and play raging with vigorous movement also really important parts of the whole puzzle picture so i wonder how you feel when you heard this if you want to come and share anything on social media in response i'd love to hear the next episode is going to be a Q&A, so there'll be some more practical things that I'll be sharing. And I'm recording this in March 2023. So at some point, relatively soon, then there will be a new course to replace the old one. And there will also be a book. So if you're interested and you'd like to look at those, I invite you to do that. If you want some support, I do have some one-on-one offerings as well and as always there's lots of free stuff on uh, my website and on Aletha's website we have the free aware parenting facebook group with a gorgeous group of uh, our parenting instructors who are part of the admin team and they're an amazing 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 group of aware parenting instructors all over the world so that's in the admin team Also in Australia, if you're an Australian and you want to have a look on my website, that's marionrose.net. There's a list of instructors there. And if you're elsewhere in the world, on Aletha's website, awareparenting.com. Having someone to support you through this process can make a huge difference. So that can be an empathy buddy or it might be an aware parenting instructor to really support you and to really make this your own. Because as I said, each child is different and... 
depending on how much stress and trauma they've experienced, particularly uh, during their birth and after birth, it all has a big influence on sleep. And you know, often there is a, a nuanced uh, way to approach sleep for each different child, depending on what they've experienced so far. So these are all general things I'm suggesting. As always, please, please, please listen to yourself and what resonates and what doesn't. Please, I invite you never to do anything because you've just heard me say it or someone else. Please listen to yourself first. And if you want to try something out, have a go. But then I invite you to observe your baby or child. They will show you whether what you're doing is helpful or not. Also, if you want to have a look at books, there's all of Aletha's books that you can also find at wearparenting.com. And there's the book that Lael and I wrote, Raising Resilient and Compassionate Children. We have a, a section there about sleep as well. So thank you so much for watching. No, you're not watching. Thank you so much for listening. And I really look forward to seeing you next time. And uh, I shall go and attend to to some of these beings the puppies and so on <laughs> lots of love to you sweetheart